John chapter 8, and then we're reading from verse uh, 32. Just that one verse again will stand for the reading of God's word tonight. John 8 and verse 32. Amen. John 8, verse 32. Let's stand. We'll read together this one verse. John 8 and 32. Well-known verse. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's all read it together. And ye shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Father, tonight we pray, thanking you for the power of your word. Lord, it is truth. Lord, we pray for that liberating power, Lord. Lord, to penetrate even our hearts afresh tonight and loose us by your spirit, O God. Lord, take us, Lord, into a new place with thyself, O God. Lord, we just pray for your anointing upon your word. And Lord, you give us ears to hear. Lord, anoint us as we come to the time of prayer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats together. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We've just been, over these weeks, we'll look at some areas just where it is vital that we um, stand and contend uh, for the truth of God's word, the faith in Jesus Christ. And tonight, uh, I'm going to look at the exception clause, the truth war, the exception clause. You know, in the last days, the Lord has promised that he'll pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men shall see visions and old men will dream dreams. And I believe that what we, what we are praying for, what we're believing for, what we're longing for, and what we will experience in these days is an, a final outpouring of the Holy Ghost that will, that will raise the church just to live and to walk in, in a very real and a very practical way, just like it was in the beginning when God, the Holy Spirit, was poured out upon the 120 and then subsequently the thousands that were saved and added to the church and the Holy Ghost just was flowing and people were being saved. Miracles, signs, wonders, visions, dreams, prophetic utterances. The power of God was moving in streets and wicked cities that were given over totally to idolatry but God, by the power of the gospel, came and visited those cities, lives were changed, idols were pulled down, churches were built and strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit, and God poured out His Spirit. The Word of the Lord tells us that in the last days, Acts 2.17, John, or sorry, Joel 2 and 27 and 28, the last days that the Lord will pour out His Spirit upon all flesh, and sons and daughters will prophesy, young men will see visions, and old men will dream dreams, and how we need to see the outpouring and living and walking in the reality of the power of the Holy Ghost. And the truth makes us free. It is the truth of God's word. It is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That the devil fears the truth. The truth is what sets men free. And I, I want you to turn over into Acts chapter 15. I want to put this chapter into context for you. It's a very important chapter. All chapters are important. But it's a, a vital or a pivotal moment. In the early church here in Acts chapter 15, it's the first, if you like, conference of the church uh, found at Jerusalem. And uh, it was a very vital moment in the church and how we see here at this point how the enemy would seek to try and infiltrate the church of Jesus Christ. At, at this point, uh, when you just turn to Acts 15, just hold it there, but I, I want to just sort of give you a little bit of context of how the Holy Spirit was moving how the church was was being sent out, how the church was even in the midst of, we're hearing of persecution in the workplace, but 
Actually, persecution was the thing that drove the church into new places and it was added to, it was strengthened, it was built, it expanded. So when there's great opposition, that should give us great encouragement because that shows God is on the move and God is going to work on our behalf. And if you just, uh, if you want to follow it just for the context of Acts 15, it's just important to see uh, what was taking place. Peter, Peter, uh, Peter fell into a trance. You remember back in Acts 10, Acts 11, and there was a man, Cornelius. He had a vision. The, the Lord visited him for him to call for a man called Peter to come. And uh, so we see that the Holy Spirit being poured out, that men began to have visions, men had dreams, that, that Peter was in a trance. There was revelation that was coming by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're believing for in these days, that God would give his people visions and specific revelations to go to specific homes to to knock on specific doors that God by the power of his spirit would lead us in such a way and so as Peter goes to the house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 11 and he 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 begins to share the gospel there and how the Holy Ghost just fell upon that house it it tells us in Acts 11 and 15 that as he began to speak it says that the Holy Ghost fell on them as it was in the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said that John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost for as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did on us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And what was I that I could withstand the Lord? When they heard these things, they held their peace, they glorified God. Then has God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. And so as God is moving in hearts. He's moving in homes. I believe with everything that's within me that God is moving on the hearts of men and women when we're in this prayer meeting tonight. I believe God is speaking to hearts. I believe men are being convicted of their sin. I believe God is already working in lives and in homes and in families. And God is beginning to speak to people. God is working. Be encouraged. Be encouraged, saints, to continue to pray. I believe that the Lord is working. His word shall not return unto him void. It will accomplish that what has been sent to do. We need to pray the Holy Ghost to give us favor. To give us favor in, in the work that we're doing for him. And so we see in this that there is an outpouring of the Spirit of God. There's visions. There, there's revelations. There's visitation of angels. There's visitations, there's revelation and prayer. And God is beginning to work amongst the Gentiles just as it was in the beginning with those that were in the upper room. There was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and he did it again. And we're believing that he'll do it again because his word tells us in the last days I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And so we believe for God, Lord, would you just come and would you equip, would you enable would you move by the power of your spirit just like you did and like you promised in your word? We see at this point in Acts chapter 11 and verse 19, I want you to follow this through. It's, it's actually crucial just to grasp what's happening because we also need to be alert. We need to be wise and we need to be sober. We need to be vigilant to the work of the enemy. We see here a scattering in chapter 11 and verse 19 because there's persecution that arose against the church of Jesus Christ. And I believe that that persecution was real. 
I believe that we are going to face persecution in these days. It, it's there. It's like bubbling under the surface, but it is going to show itself in these days. But friends, I want to, I want to encourage every single one of us. Persecution only serves for the extension of the kingdom of God. And although we, we, we may not be asking the Lord to send it, but when it comes, it will serve only to extend the kingdom of God. And so what happened at that point is that they went out preaching the word of the Lord. It says they're preaching the word to none but the Jews only. So initially they began uh, to, to preach unto the Jews. And then it says there uh, uh, in verse 20, it says there that when they came to Antioch, they speak unto the Grecians preaching the Lord Jesus Christ because initially they were uh, rejected as they preached the word to the Jews. So they went to the Greeks. Verse 21 then just simply says, And the hand of the Lord was with them. And brothers and sisters, I believe that's a good prayer. May the hand of the Lord be with us. May, may the hand of the Lord be in our workplaces, be in be on the outreaches, be on the streets of Balnehenge. May the hand of the Lord be with us. And what does it say? And a great number believed and turned to the Lord. A great number. I'm believing for a great number to turn to the Lord. I'm believing for a great number, a great harvest of precious souls. But we need the hand of the Lord to work with us. And it says in verse 22, Then these tidings of these things came to the ears of the church, which is in Jerusalem. So in Antioch, the, the power of the Holy Ghost is evident. The hand of the Lord is with them. Gentiles are being saved now, as well as Jews. And now the word of that comes back to the church, to the, as it were, the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem, the, 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 the mother church, if you like, of what was happening. And so what they do is they dispatch Barnabas from Jerusalem that he should go up to Antioch to verify what is actually taking place. Verse 23, this is what it says in Acts chapter 11. Who when he came and he seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. When Barnabas came and seen this mighty revival, souls being saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, he was so delighted to see the work of the Lord and he just encouraged them, just keep going with God. He says with purpose of heart, cleave unto the Lord and he was rejoicing in what he had seen, the grace of God. Now verse 25 says, he departed then, I just follow this through for a moment for the context, he departed uh, Barnabas to Tarsus to seek out Saul. That's Paul the Apostle. We know he'd been wonderfully saved. He, he had spent that time um, in, in, that, in that barren time or that, sorry, that, that time in Arabia with those number of years just separated with the Lord. But you remember that the prophetic word had come upon his life. In Acts chapter 9, you don't need to turn to it in verse 15, but there the Lord said that he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles. And so the, the word of the Lord had come. Brothers and sisters, the prophetic word of the Lord is so powerful. God will fulfill his word. We see that Paul the apostle wonderfully saved and converted, but now Barnabas is leaving Antioch. He's going to search out this man Saul. God had a purpose for his life. 
He, he was a man that God had put his hand upon. God had raised him up. There was a prophetic word that was laid upon him by the laying on of hands. And God fulfills his prophetic word in a life. And so this vessel is chosen and he is brought. In verse 26 he says he found him and he brings then Saul up to Antioch. And it came to pass that the whole year they assembled themselves with the church, taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So the context of the set here is we see Barnabas, we see the word of the Lord had come to Antioch. We see a great number of souls are saved. It's strengthened. They're rejoicing. They're cleaving to the Lord. Barnabas goes and searches out for Saul. Paul the apostle brings them back to Antioch. And they're there for a year assembling together. The church is being strengthened by the power of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 13, if you turn over to it, we see it as from this base, as it were, from this platform that it's there that Barnabas and Saul are separated by the Holy Ghost. In verse 2 it says, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost begins to speak and says, Separate Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. When they fasted and prayed, laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, they departed. So here we see the, 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 the whole mission mind of the church the whole mission mind in the heart of God, when the church is filled with the Holy Ghost, when people are cleaving to the Lord, when they're meeting together and rejoicing around the, the Scriptures, the Holy Ghost begins to speak specifically in the lives and in the hearts and commission people and raise people up and send them forth into the field for the salvation of souls. And so they go forth. And it's just a remarkable a mission journey. The Lord begins to work in a mighty way. How we need the power of the Holy Ghost. How we need God to come again in his power and work with his people. Signs and wonders follow when we see men who were impotent. They were being raised up by the power of the Holy Ghost. We see opposition. We see churches planted. We see the, the power of God moving in such a mighty way in souls that are being saved as Paul and Barnabas enter in out to the mission field. And then they return from that mission next chapter 14 if you turn to it verse 26 and it says there and then sealed to Antioch where they have been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled they were sent out for the work and they went in obedience to the word of God and they returned fulfilling the word of the Lord that God had commanded them to do and as they come back the Antioch when they were come and they gathered the church together they began to testify of all that the Lord had done with them. How he opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. I mean, it must have been just absolutely wonderful to sit in that church at Antioch. Paul and Barnabas come back from their mission journeys. And they begin to testify of the great things that the Lord has done, the healings, the deliverances, yes, the opposition, but the church, people were being saved, being added to the church, filled with the Holy Ghost. It was just the power of God moving at that time. But it's right at this point that I, 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 I might sound very simple, I may not sound even very significant, but this has, this controversy arises within the church. 
right at this point, you, you probably think, does controversy happen in revival? Does it happen when God's really moving? There's always going to be controversy in the church of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 15, it just opens with these words, that certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, and this is the exception clause that I want to just mention tonight, but it takes many forms really over the years, except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. You just think of that for a moment. God's moving in such mighty power. People are being saved, added to the church. What is our reading tonight? And ye shall know the truth. And what does it do? The truth shall make you free. People are being liberated by the power of the Holy Ghost. Like genuine, real new births. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Souls are saved. Healings, deliverances. It's just a mighty experience in God. And then, right at this point, Acts chapter 15 is the first conference, the first church conference at Jerusalem that we're going to look at. Men come in and they begin to teach, except... Ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. Do you see how subtle the devil is? Do you see how crafty the devil is? Why? Because he knows if he can add to, take away from, or dilute the truth, that no longer men will be set free by that truth. And so men sought to bring a an add-on, as it were, to salvation. They had returned from this powerful missionary trip. The Gentiles are being saved. And so these men began to teach, unless you're circumcised, you follow the law of Moses, you're not going to be saved. There's, there's something more to this. There's something to add to salvation. So verse 2 in Acts 15 says these words, When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. When these men were out in the forefront of the battle, plundering the devil's kingdom, the enemy then brought in this controversy into the midst of the church to occupy the men and the women that should be out engaged in the warfare, but now to occupy them with a dissension within the church. Is the devil not subtle? And this has been going on hundreds of years, not just on this one particular issue, but the devil is so subtle in all that he does, he wants the church to turn in on itself rather than it to be a triumphant body moving forward in the power of the Holy Ghost and plundering the devil's kingdom. And so at this point then, Paul and Barnabas are sent up to Jerusalem unto the apostles, the elders, about this question. Verse 3 says, And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Venice and, and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. The whole way back to Jerusalem, every church they entered into, the church is rejoicing over what's taken place. Verse 4 says, that they came to Jerusalem. They were received of the church and the apostles and the elders and they declared all things 
that God had done with them. Look at verse 5. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and the elders came together for to consider this matter. This is, this is a real crucial, and historically it's vital for us to understand it and to see it, but the Holy Spirit has put this within Scripture for a very specific reason. We see here that immediately when God begins to move, and this is more of, because I believe God's about to move. I believe God is about to move. But these Scriptures are here for us to be wise to the wiles of the wicked one. You know, how often have you heard it over the years in traditional churches, as it were, that someone gets saved and they're not really saved unless they do this, that, and the other. There's the X, Y, and Z, or they become this, that, or the other. You know, one man said to me once, he says, I was born a Presbyterian. I will live a Presbyterian. I will die a Presbyterian. I will go to heaven as a Presbyterian. Brothers and sisters, you're finding in Acts chapter 15 the, the evolution of this controversy. I was born a sinner. I was born in sin without hope and without Christ. I was born again by the power of the Holy Spirit and I'll go to heaven a sinner saved by the grace of God alone. And if men and women get saved in a Presbyterian church, a Pentecostal church, thank God they do, but that's nothing to do with the denomination of the church. It is Christ and Christ alone. And we have in this nation, we have the controversy of Acts chapter 15, alive and well. Alive and well. And so we see here what happens. This first kind, what a... What a conference this must have been to, to be at. There was Peter, the apostle. There was James, the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. There was Paul, the apostle. There was Barnabas. There was the elders at, at Jerusalem. And they're all gathered together. There's this particular sect of believers, the Pharisees that had come. And now we're all gathered together to discuss this, this point that unless except these Gentiles that you're telling us about, Paul, that are wonderfully getting saved, and Peter's telling us that the Holy Ghost fell on them as it did on us. So they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They're speaking in tongues. They're glorifying the Lord. And you're telling us they're saved, but they cannot be saved unless we circumcise them and they follow after the law of Moses. Can you imagine this? Do you think this is something that's just that this just in the historical account of Scripture. I believe that this has riddled through the church of Jesus Christ across the globe, and I believe our wee nation is probably well up at the top of the list for putting the exception clause upon the lives of those that get born again by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is a tragedy of our day. The men and friends, this is so common. You may not think it's common, but it is. There are extreme forms of within the Baptist movement that unless a man is baptized in water, he is not saved. Friends, that is not biblical. You're saved by grace alone. 
There are extremes within Pentecostalism that unless a man or woman is speaking with other tongues that they are not saved. Friends, I want to tell you something that is not biblical. It's a controversy, but it's in the church. There are people that genuinely believe unless that you're part of their denomination that you are not saved. Genuine, this happens in this country. There are literally denominations in this land. Unless you are part of their denomination, then you cannot be saved. This controversy of Acts chapter 15 has riddled the church of Jesus Christ in Ulster. And brothers and sisters, the truth sets us free. The truth makes us free. There are people that genuinely believe because they were infant baptized as a child that that is their salvation. Friends, I want to tell you that's from the pit of hell. Infant baptism means nothing. It is a religious rag. It has nothing to do with the gospel. It is not in scripture. And I might run across a few toes, but friends, I'm here to trample on those toes. This is a nonsense, but it's a controversy in the church. It's alive. It is well within the church in this, in this, in this country. And we need the truth to make men free. And so we see this council. This is not just an historic problem. But we are seeing the devastating effect of when the devil creeps in. And when he adds to, takes away or dilutes the power of the new birth then people no longer are saved. We've got a works salvation largely within the Catholic Church, but it's alive and well within the Protestant Church too. I'm working for my salvation. Friends, I want to tell you something. That's from the pit of hell as well. These men, the Bible tells us, that came down as simply... What well, we're warned of in the epistle of Jude. When Jude writes these words. Beloved, when I give all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Then he says these words. For there are certain men that have crept in unawares. There's doctrines that have crept in. There's traditions that have crept in. There's religiosity that has crept in. There's ideas of men that have crept into the church. And he says, Jude says, we should earnestly contend for this faith. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. That we believe in the Lord for these precious souls to be saved. Listen, suddenly when God moves... By the power of his spirit. And our building is not big enough to contain the souls that are saved. And many other buildings will be filled with precious souls that are born of the spirit. Washed in the blood. Taken off the streets of our cities and our homes. And all the dens of iniquity that they're living in. And they come through our doors. They will not look like us. They will not have our language. But they'll be saved by the power of God. The worst thing we can do is sin. But you must have this to be saved. The danger of tradition. The danger of traditionalism. 1 Peter 1 and 18 says, 
For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold or from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers, but by the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Isn't it good to be saved? We're told that we should conclude in Romans 3 and 28 that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. It is, is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles, saying it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and on circumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. When we have an exemption in practice or in another way, not so much in our practice, but in a subtle way, in the unspoken. It can happen just through tradition. It's not even that you have letters and laws and, and things let out, but through the practice of religion that we can end up, that we hinder the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ just because of our tradition. God set us free from the traditions of men, set us free from religiosity, Set us free, Lord, from, from the things that we even think sometimes that we have created of ourselves, but we want where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, the liberating power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, friends, wouldn't it just be wonderful the house to be filled with drug addicts and prostitutes and every type of individual from this world brought in by the power of the Holy Ghost and saved, set free, born, born of the Spirit. Born again. That's what happened. Born again. Born delivered. Born. Just born of the Holy Ghost. Would it not shake things up? Would it not shake the world? Would it not shake even the church? Oh God, we do need a great shaking, don't we? But then the subtlety of the enemy. Not if it happens to Paul and Barnabas. James, the brother of Jesus, and Peter, the apostle, and the elders of Jerusalem, and the power of the Holy Ghost is moving, and people and signs and wonders are following. Why would we think that we're so smart and so advanced to think that it couldn't happen to us? This exemption that comes so subtly, the things needful or extra-biblical application we should be Alarmed. We should send an alarm. In Acts 15 and verse 7 it says, And when there be, had been much disputing, you believe, can you actually believe? Sometimes maybe we have a, a, just a different perspective on what it was like in the early churches and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, but they were disputing much about this particular subject. Peter, Paul, James, Barnabas, the elders, the sect of Pharisees who believe, Peter stands up, says, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, he said, verse 8, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. You know, some of the things that I've just listened to over the past number of weeks with talking to someone saved is that there's a perception in them. There's a perception in them that 
when they come into church that they are different from church folk. I'm not talking about darkness and light and someone saved and not saved, but they have a perception to think that when they come into church that there is this aspect of church that they, that the church people are away up here and that they're away down there and they'll never make it away up there because they're not like them. Can I tell you something what that is? That's just a Pharisee spirit. That's all it is. Do you know what one said to me? He says, he said these words. He says, do you know what? He says, I like that wee church down there because you're all really honest. You tell it as it is. He says, if you don't mind me, Stephen, he says, I like that wee man on Sunday night because he just told us it the way it was. I like to hear people being honest. Instead of a veneer of religion, friends, people need to see the reality of the power of a changed life. And so here we see that there's no difference. But we believe that through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Paul writes these words. I want you to turn over because I believe that Paul had to challenge this constantly in his ministry. You'll find it in the epistles. You'll find it in his writings. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11, he begins to write uh, this about the salvation of men and women. And he writes in Ephesians 2 and 11, Wherefore remember... Ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, you are called on circumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in the flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man. One new man. And has broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, for to make himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereof, and came and preached peace to you which were far off, and to them which were nigh. For through him, listen to these words, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Paul writes to the church in Galatians chapter 5. You know the scriptures so well. And he says, stand fast in the liberty where Christ has made us free. Brothers and sisters, we have a gospel that sets men and women free. We have a gospel that penetrates into the hearts and it is a grace of God. It's the power of the cross. It's the power of the blood of Jesus Christ to loose men and women from their sin. Why would we add anything to it? Don't be entangled with the yoke of bondage. You know, in closing Acts 15 and 12, it just simply says these words, Then all the multitude kept silent. And Barnabas and Paul begin to testify of the reality of what the Lord does. You know, the greatest thing that can happen to the church in Ulster, I believe, is that there could just be an absolute harvest of souls. 
That would be the greatest thing with all the tradition, with all the methods, with all the ideas, with all, with everything of all. Do you know the greatest thing would happen? Just a complete harvest of precious souls saved in the streets, saved in the workplace, saved up and down, just souls saved everywhere. Just a real harvest, a move of the Holy Ghost, a remnant that's raised up. I believe that God is going to do that. And this is what they say. The multitude kept silence. They gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders that God had wrought amongst the Gentiles by them. And after they had held their peace, James, this is the brother of Jesus, answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken to me. Peter had declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. And I want to come back to this verse another week. He says, after this I will return and build again the tabernacle of David. This is in reference to the Gentiles being brought in which has fallen down. And I will build again the ruins thereof and I will set it up. That the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Do you know there was such a unity and a revelation came that how can we put anything upon these men? Do you know what one they said? That our fathers couldn't even keep it. We're trying to get them to keep it. We're trying to put something in them. We don't keep ourselves. Thank God for the power of the new birth. Keep it pure. Keep it simple. But the truth makes a man free. The truth. The conclusion was simply that it seemed good. Verse 28 says, and there's a bit more in it, but just for time's sake. It seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay no greater burden than these things necessary, that you abstain from meats offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, from fornication, and from the keep from which if you keep yourselves, you shall do well, and you fare, fare ye well. Just those things that they put on, and Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, the same thing. Some things to abstain from. Brothers and sisters, I believe in these last days that God is about to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. I really believe that. I believe we have prayed, we have believed, we have been waiting, we have been longing. We haven't just sat around doing nothing. We've been active. We've been focused. We've been going forth in what light the Lord has given us. But I believe that we are, as a people, not just here, but we are going to see an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, that God will work suddenly. He will work suddenly. There will not be effort in getting people saved because the effort in getting people saved is the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost takes over and souls are saved, you will see drug addicts, you will see prostitutes, you will see men and women. You know, I listened to a wee testimony sent through today, just four minutes of a girl in the streets in England, 15 years a drug addict, 15 years a coke addict. But she didn't go to rehab. She didn't go through all the things and all this. She met the Lord Jesus Christ and she was wonderfully born again. Brothers and sisters, we need the Lord's hand upon us and we need God to work. But when he works, it's the truth that makes men free. May we ever be wise. May we ever be wise how the enemy would seek to add something 
to that. And once we allow that in or take away or dilute, once we allow that to happen, then the truth that makes men free, being diluted, no longer, no, we'll have to do. We'll have to build a thousand counseling rooms right up Main Street to make sure everyone gets their back rubbed and we go through everything every week. But when a man or a woman's born again, the power of the Holy Ghost setting people free, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Friends, are we ready for God to bring dreams to your heart, revelation to your heart, doors to go and knock? places to go is that what we want as a church are we just too tired or too busy we all are don't worry but we're all in the same boat but are we too busy in all of this that god can bring a revelation that there's a door in the middle of langley estate that needs knocked there's a man there's a woman there that needs pointed to the lord i believe in this and you do as well but may god make us ready may we pray because we need to see this harvest because we know the lord's coming But let him do the work. He wants to do it. But may we work with him. And may he just undertake and overtake all the efforts of the church. May the Lord just come down and visit this land again. Needs a visitation. I know we need to pray for the next leader. But friends, it's not going to be a Moses. It might be a man or a woman. And we pray that it would be a a, a man or a woman of God. But that's not going to be our answer. Our answer is going to be in an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. So we need to pray, God help us. Fill us all with the Holy Spirit. Use our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name.